Let's go. You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends, Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars. Greetings and welcome back to Dollars and Sensibilities. I'm your host, Bill McBride, here with my good friend and co-host, a man who has counted to infinity twice, Mr. Andrew Money Martz. Andrew, how are you today? Still counting. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. All right. Happy Friday. Question of the day, Andrew. What party did you miss out on that you recall having some serious FOMO or fear of missing out? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to, so I'm going to go with the party that never happened. So when I was, uh, yeah, when I was in high school for the after prom party, a friend of mine had an aunt who she owned a hotel near Six Flags Great Adventure in, in New Jersey, which is maybe about an hour, hour and a half away from where I grew up. So we got the okay from the aunt, you know, to get a couple of hotel rooms and we'll go to, after prom, we'll go into the hotel and then we'll go to Six Flags the day after high school prom, like kind of a cool, cool plan. Right. So me and my friends all, all had this great idea and until we presented it to our dates, whose mothers were like, uh, no, you're not going away with high school boys after your prom to a hotel an hour and a half away in New Jersey. No, thanks. So that plan, <laughs> we, we didn't even realize because that's not where our heads were going. Well, it probably was, but uh, we didn't realize that there was probably going to be, you know, some issues with, hey, is there supervision and we're allowing our teenage daughters to go with you. Uh, so that party never happened, but it probably would have been pretty epic. So I'm still I'm still having a little bit of FOMO on that one. Oh, March 17th, 2012. For some reason, uh, I did not go. The uh, The local Irish bar was having their annual St. Patrick's Day celebration and my uh, my buddy called me. And he, you know, he said, you know, again, like I was, I was missing it for some reason. I was missing the whole day of St. Patrick's Day. And he's like, you know, we've gone to that bar a thousand times. He's like, I got to tell you, Bill, it was the, it was the best night that I've had there. And I, he said, I hate to get, he, he literally bestowed FOMO on me and I apologize for it, but you know, missed it once in a lifetime, but it's actually really once a year, so I'll make up for it someday. So, so today we're going to talk about FOMO a little more or fear of missing out. What we're really focusing on, though, are the questions we ask, ourse- we ask ourselves or our friends that we shouldn't be asking. So, of course, we're going to try to keep it positive here on Dollars and Sensibilities. So we'll give you an equal number of questions you should be asking when, when all is said and done. So let, let's dive right in. Um, the big question of the past few months and, and even years is, how can I buy Bitcoin? And most of us hear about Bitcoin in the news. And I think, well, I don't think, I know, most people have no idea what it is really at its core. And, and I, I will fully admit that I don't 
understand the the software and the programming of it. Um, but people don't know how it works or even where to buy it or, or why to buy it. But we hear about it so much, and it's always in stories of these overnight millionaires that bought Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency and made a fortune. But we never hear about the millions of little guys that figured out how to buy it and then lost the rear ends, right? So really, why do we ask ourselves these questions? It's purely fear of missing out. Yeah, and I, I think that Bitcoin or in cryptocurrencies are probably a really good example of this. But there, there's just a very interesting dynamic happening in the investment markets today. And we see this with the meme stocks, right? So the way that information is now communicated about uh, potential investments, the hot stocks to buy, is dramatically different today than it was even 10, 15, 20 years ago when still the internet was alive and well and booming and there were social sites. The speed at which this information comes out and the reach and the influence that individual retail investors have is unbelievable. So I agree with you that when people ask me about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of the rest of them, the first thing I ask them is to explain to me what they know about it. Can you explain to me what you know about it? Because as you enter into that space, I do believe that cryptocurrency is vitally important. I think it's, um, it's, it's an unbelievable asset class. But you have to get educated, just like you need to be educated on anything else you would put your money into, stocks, bonds, real estate. And you're right that most people are latching onto this because they simply want to make money quickly, which is a right. very, very scary reason or rationale for making an investment. It just tends to lead to failure. Right. And, and, and the problem with the psychological process of wanting to make money quickly is that you input into your decision-making process factors that do not exist, such as fundamentals, Cryptocurrency has zero fundamentals. There's no value behind it other than what somebody else is willing to pay for it. They're not paying dividends or they're not growing a product or service, right? It is as an investment, if you want to call it that, it has no value other than what someone else is going to going to give you for it. Now, you know, you can make the comparison with collectibles or memorabilia, right? So hold on, hold on a second. You, you can make the, the easiest comparison to the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar has no value except for what we place on it. So the right. Bitcoin is, is a replacement. So its very specific purpose is a replacement for fiat currency, right? right. The, and just for a quick you know, education for all the listeners, essentially its pitch to the masses is it's a decentralized way to make exchanges or payments peer-to-peer. -peer. What, so what does that mean? You eliminate the need for intermediaries, i.e. banks. So you don't need your, your debit card or credit card. You don't need a payment processing system. So you no longer need to go through Visa or Amex. You don't need Venmo or the Cash App. You can simply make these transactions and payments direct. So I don't, right. I don't know if I necessarily agree with you that there, there's, you know, there's no fundamentals because it, it's not a comparison to a stock or a company that's generating revenue by selling a good or service. It, it's, a, it's a currency, right? So as a fiat currency, yes, all fiat currency has value because collectively the users of it say that it does. 
You're absolutely right, Andrew. I 100% agree, but I'm also 100% right here because what you're saying is that it's a, a fiat currency, but what we hear from people is they want to invest in it, not like a currency. They want to invest in it for profit, not for use, right? People don't say, hey, I want to throw $5,000 into cryptocurrency um, so that I have money available to me to make purchases and get around the Visa, Amex, MasterCard system, right? Or the banking system. Most of the time we hear people say cryptocurrency and investment in the same sentence because they feel that they can make money with it. Now, this is what I call slot machine psychology, right? Where you you don't, an investment, you sit down, you put money in something, and then you take a long-term perspective, even if that term is only two years, but you take a perspective of it that this is something that I bought that is going to appreciate in value. When you sit down at a slot machine, you're guessing, right, based on some wacky uh, you know, holistic fundamentals of, hey, there was somebody sitting at that, uh, that machine for half an hour and it didn't hit. It's due, right? We Correct. see cryptocurrency go down for three days in a row and everybody in the, in the news and the headlines are going, well, it went down for three days in a row. It must go up tomorrow. There's no reason for it, right? You are describing this psychology as a symptom of cryptocurrency, which is, it is not. Th this is not because of, of cryptocurrency. Th this happens... In the stock market, the same way. So, for sure, yeah. Ninety percent of all the outstanding cryptocurrency is held by two percent of the the entire holders, right? So, it's a very small subset that own a very large portion of the outstanding available coins. So, that means all of this retail noise that you're hearing and things on social media is a very small portion of the overall marketplace. It's also probably a you know a relatively small portion of those people's wealth. Maybe not. But right. my, my point is that look at what's happened this year. GameStop, AMC, right? Some stocks that you've seen in the news where retail investors have supported very, very high volatility, large swings in, in prices with the same idea. There's, there's really not a lot of fundamental basis to support what they're doing, right? You could talk about, oh, there's a short squeeze and, you know, but, but really the vast majority of retail investors who are reading these blogs and, and purchasing on, on Robinhood have no idea why they're doing it other than there's an army of people online who say that this is going to go up. Right. It's, and, and, and that's slot machine psychology, right? It's, it's sitting down at the, at the machine that somebody sat down at before and going, I got a better shot here. I'm going to be luckier, right? I'm going to buy AMC at 45 and I'm going to sell it at 50, right? Right. Why, why is AMC trading at 50, right? There's, there's no reason for it other than other people's perception of, of what it's valued at today. The slot machine psychology... I think a, probably a better psychological term would be the, the gambler's fallacy, right? So right. the idea that you continue to invest in losing investments, thinking that it, just because it's down, it at some point has to go up. But again, I, I would not blame this on cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, because I think that Many people who, so, you know, just recently in, in Miami, they had the big, you know, the first Bitcoin conference, right? 
and you're getting a collection of all the, you know, the evangelist of, of cryptocurrency, specifically <laughs> Bitcoin together to talk about its tenants and, it, and its future. And, you know, this marketplace has now legitimized itself in a part of our marketplace. And it's not a question of, is this a real thing or not? It is a very real thing. But I think what you're speaking to is how should investors be looking at this and the, the slot machine psychology, the FOMO that we have buying cryptocurrency isn't a bad thing, but it should be a well thought out process as a part of your overall financial plan. I would argue that many people who are buying cryptocurrencies today simply cannot afford to only because what they need to do as far as their time horizons, the liquidity needs that they may have just does not simply fit into a part of their current financial plan. And they're using this as a mechanism to hopefully pay off the $80,000 in student debt that they have. Well, that's not going to work or to buy their dream car or to move out of their you know studio apartment in the Valley and move into the, the Beverly Hills mansion. Probably yeah. not going to happen. And yeah. even though there are a, a very small, finite amount of stories where that has happened, to your point, there are millions of stories where that still has not happened and right. is likely will not happen. Yeah, I, you, you nailed it. And, and barring fundamental acceptance, right, I, I would venture to say that the, the, the mantra with crypto right now is don't bet more than you can afford to lose, Right. So let's take a step up there and go to number two. By step up, I mean, metaphorically speaking, as an investment, we can talk about gold, right? Shouldn't I buy gold? And, you know, my answer is just like you said with the, with the crypto is, you know, is what do you understand about gold or, or even why, right? Why do you want to buy gold? And the answer is usually... It's, it's deep in the subconscious of either a recent television commercial or advertisement or a feeling of uncertainty about the economy. And, you know, we go back and we see the, the black and white footage of the depression and things like that. And, and it just resonates that we want to have gold in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Right. Which is kind of crazy because even in a global pandemic, you can't use your gold coins to buy toilet paper. Right. So. Further, you know, the notion of buying gold is usually for this flight to safety, but we often see people put it in their portfolios in some form, meaning that they buy either a gold ETF or, um, you know, a, a leveraged gold ETF or a mutual fund, and they're not actually buying the gold bars or coins. So in that case, they're buying gold as a safety net, but it's not... A, a, a tangible safety net. Basically, they're not going to be able to trade those ETFs for ammunition when the zombies come, which is why they bought it in the first place, right? The, the other reason really for buying gold is for the speculative price. So we get back into the kind of the crypto mentality or the day trading mentality, uh, meaning that you know we fear missing out on that term we've heard so often, the gold rush. And as of 2021, we're told that gold value is up 50% in the last five years. This is true. This is a fact. Trading at 1800, it was at 1200 five years ago. That's not a huge return in comparison to anything stock related or even conservative bonds. But the real truth here is another truth is that gold is absolutely flat in the last 10 years. Right. So what does that mean? Well, it means 10 years ago, gold was at 1800. 
five years ago, it was at 1200 and now it's back at 1800. So again, we reference lies, damn lies and statistics, right? We can go back and, and say, Hey, if we had bought it five years ago, we'd have a 50% return, but we could also easily say, Hey, if we bought it 10 years ago, we would have made no money and likely would have, uh, buying it speculatively, would have made some sales or some uh, additional buys uh, along the way that might have got, gotten us caught. So, so really. So here, here's what I would say just to, to the gold piece. One, as you were kind of talking about the, re, you know, should I buy gold and asking your clients why? Gold is to boomers what cryptocurrency is to millennials, I think, as it relates to the excitement or the questioning about its place in a, in a portfolio. And I hope I didn't offend anybody by saying that, but it just seems to be, be demographically. Great analogy. In, you know, in your example about its gold's returns over the last time period, I kind of think that's kind of a, a, a irrelevant point. So, yeah, you, you, hindsight is twenty twenty when you look at any sort of price comparison. And great, you can you can tell me that in the last five years it's up fifty percent. In the last decade, it's it's done nothing. But go back to two thousand and ten, and you could have said the same exact thing about the stock market, right? So the S and P five hundred for for a decade from two thousand to two thousand and ten returned almost zero, zero. Right? despite its big runs and, and you know things of that nature. So the basis in which people are using gold inside of a portfolio, traditionally, if you talk to asset managers and other investment professionals, would simply be to hedge against either the dollar or other sort of inflationary risks that would appear in the economy. And as you've now experienced more inflation fears, you've seen more gold allocation or in a broader sense, more commodity allocation, raw materials, other precious metals inside of portfolios as alternative investments to hedge against other por portions of your portfolio, stocks, bonds, international, so on and so forth. So just like a cryptocurrency or any other investment conversation, gold is not is not the end all be all and it's also not bad so i think right. it, it but it should be a part of a well designed investment strategy uh, understanding why i'm owning this it's not because i saw a gorilla on fairfax avenue flipping a sign saying we buy gold it's because i understand <laughs> that this 3% allocation in my portfolio is helping me accomplish a very specific thing hedging risk taking care of, you know, inflation, you know, hedge against the doubt, whatever it may be. And that way, I don't now start to begin to get unrealistic expectations about what it, it could and should do for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, gold, commodities in general, should have a place in, in many portfolios, depending on time horizon, risk tolerance, and, and it could be a great hedge against inflation uh, and does often work in an inverse relationship to the stock market. So so that that can be a good thing. Unlike unlike crypto, which is really just unpredictable and it's not there's no direct correlation between the the stock market, the economy or or anything, right? So what questions should we be asking, right? So more in depth, what are the questions we could be asking that will satisfy this insatiable desire to get rich quick or 
to have a safe haven in case of the zombies. And, and the first one, Andrew, I think, I think everyone should have a lottery ticket. I think we, we all need that hope in our lives, right? We all need to have something to have some skin in the game so that we can be that overnight millionaire, but we don't want to, you know, we don't want to risk our retirement to do so. So if you can take 2% of a sizable portfolio, let's say a hundred thousand and invest it in a penny stock or some kind of promising pharmaceutical, even if it's just a, a super long shot, right? You've got a better chance there of that overnight success than you do by taking half your portfolio and putting it in gold or taking half your portfolio and putting it into Bitcoin, right? I don't know if I agree with that. Only because you're kind of speaking in absolutes. I don't think that everyone needs to have a lotto ticket answer. I know plenty of people who, even if it is a, a sensible portion, have such aversion to loss that th it, it would be much better suited in something that can tick away a nice three, four percent return, even though the the potential whatever lotto ticket investment, small stock, penny stock you're you're considering does double, triple, or a hundred x, right? They would still prefer to have that nice, quiet because the outside chance that it or, or the excuse me the probable chance that it goes to zero or it fails, that person's ability or inability to take on that risk, their aversion to loss is so high that that would eat away at them. So I don't think that everybody needs to have a lotto ticket. I think when you want to have a lotto ticket, do it sensibly. No, absolutely. So it, it does depend on your risk tolerance, time horizon, right? And and if you can say to yourself, hey, I'm willing to take a 2% loss right off the bat, then you do it, right? Again, you don't gamble more than you can afford to lose, right? So, right. so you know, second, in lieu of gold, shouldn't the question be, am I properly prepared for emergencies, right? So we see this the the gold concept of like hey i want to have these these coins or these gold bars in case of uh the end of times but the you know what do you really need if that happens right you need food water guns ammunition and if the gold question comes in your head not because you perceive the safety but because you thought prior to listening to this that gold was a good investment then your question should be am i diversified in my portfolio Right. That's you should be asking yourself that first before you're asking yourself, how can I how can I double my money overnight or how can I triple my money in the next three years? Right. Do I have investments like bonds that you were just mentioning? Right. That people can be content or even happy with a 4% return. Bonds typically aren't high flyers, but they can provide a balance to the stocks that are in your portfolio that you're really looking to do with, with, with gold, which can be a much more volatile asset. Yeah, I think the, am I prepared for emergencies? COVID-19 really awakened people and forced everyone to answer that question. Am I prepared for emergencies? And we, you know, I hear people often joke about the food and guns and ammo and, and stuff like that. There was not really a scenario where you needed a lot of guns and ammo, maybe in a few parts of the countries last summer, but, but not right. really. But what we did see a major demographic shift is the preferences and where people are now living. And one of the things people in this country said in a very resounding way is I want more space. And you found people leaving urban centers, right? So New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, right? 
people, there was a mass exited out of some of this country's largest urban centers. And where did they, they move to? Places that have more space. So they, it, you know, if you were living in an apartment and you want, you know, just a, a single family home with a half acre lot, you also saw real estate prices. So the price of land in places like Northern Wyoming double and triple in parts of it over the course of the last 12 to 18 months. So what does this tell you? This tells you as people are saying, hey, am I prepared for emergencies? And they look at their financial plan and their portfolio. More importantly, the financial decisions you're making. So what am I spending your money on? People are now considering what do I value? Being close to the people that matter. So, hey, I'm going to relocate near mom and dad or near my, my sister or auntie. The ability to say, hey, I want to have a, a being forced to stay at home. I want to have a really comfortable space to, to live. So these were some of the financial decisions that as we were faced with one of the biggest emergencies that the world has seen in arguably decades, what has now been, what has now come of that? Even companies and businesses are changing the way in which their employees work as a result of that. So the preparation for emergencies is, hey, what do I want my life to look like and what do I value the most? Right. So you, you know, we got to get back to, are you financially prepared for an emergency? And, you know, again, I would just argue, or I would simply state that your gold coins aren't going to do much for you when the zombies come. So this is a huge topic, folks. There's a lot of other facets. I'm sure we'll get comments on this and please keep them coming. We love listening to the feedback and your personal stories about our topics. Um, so like, comment, don't forget to tune in next Friday and every Friday for a new episode of Dollars and Sensibilities. Until then, I'm Bill McBride. And Andrew Martz. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.